find you my missing puzzle piece I'm complete I was just Welcome to Two Day Dream Believers Podcast. I am your host, Space Orphan 18, and today we are hitting the big one. We are doing the breakup. Um, this is actually going to be the Blaine side of the podcast. Um, there is an additional Kurt side, which will be airing along with this one. So if you're hitting this one first, be sure to check that out. And uh, braving this with me are two amazing guests that I've had on before. So if they want to go ahead and introduce themselves. Hi, I am Teacher Gleek. You could call me Teach. And hi, I'm Miss Honeysuckle Pink, and you can call me Pink. Hey guys, welcome back, and thank you for doing this one. I know this was a really heavy episode that a lot of people didn't want to touch, so... Um. <laughs> <laughs> Good boy. Look at it. <laughs> um, so yeah, let's kind of get into this. A few years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, it's, it's kind of amazing how many, like, it's been five years now. Four and a half. It was aired in October. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. it's been... It's like, they're, it's like they're married with a kid now. We're good. We can be okay. This is the middle yes, of the story. They survived it. They survived it. Mm-hmm. And the second one, but we won't go into that one right now. Oh, yeah. No, that's for another <laughs> podcast. <laughs> kind of, uh, even though we kind of gone... Oh. Even though we've kind of gone over it in, in previous podcasts, I kind of wanted to get your guys' opinion on Blaine's headspace before this episode airs. I mean, do you feel like he is already, as, as this airs, views his relationship is over? Does he, like, where is, because I'm not always the greatest to get into Blaine's headspace, so I'm kind of curious as to what you guys have to say about this. You can kind of see his headspace. Yeah. Oh, sorry. <laughs> no, go ahead. Yeah, you, know, you can see his head headspace in the makeover episode, the previous one, because you can already kind of tell that um, as he is, you know, preparing for, you know, running for class president, you know, he's still, you know, trying to Skype with uh, with Kurt, this like where he watching Treme together. But even then, he feels like there's like a drifting, like there's definitely a separation. Um, and of course, by the end of that episode, he is, you know 
trying to call Kurt and Kurt is ignoring his phone. I mean, you know, he is basically what is happening is what was Blaine's worst nightmare in season three uh, during the dance with somebody episode was he's like, you're going to go to New York. and You're going to have this fabulous life. And that's almost exactly what happens. Except he doesn't know what Kurt's thinking, but he thinks he knows what Kurt's thinking. And that is where we have our problems. Exactly. He's putting, he's putting thoughts into Kurt's mind that aren't there. But he has good reason for them. I mean, he the 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 things that he is seeing fit his his um, skewed view of the world exactly. And it's like you said, it's exactly what he was saying even back in season three that he was afraid was going to happen. He's seeing it happen exactly as he thought it was. Kurt doesn't see that because in Kurt's mind, he's counting on Blaine being there for him all the time. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, Blaine's Blaine is a hundred percent sure at the beginning of this episode that his relationship is on the way out, if not already gone. Yeah. Do you, addition, Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, no, no, you're fine. Um, I think I, one thing that I would like to highlight, and this is something that we don't really think about until like later seasons. Um, but, you know, Blaine's, you know, Blaine and Kurt kind of both, you know, I think Kurt has much more of a fairy tale ideal of what a relationship is supposed to be like than Blaine does. Uh, I mean, I think Blaine does in some other way as well. But we think about the relationship that Blaine had with his parents, because which up until now, we've pretty much had the canon spaces, his parents being distant. And, um, you know, we can talk more about the stuff after shooting star. But, you know, even, you know, but we have this idea that his dad's kind of distant. Maybe his mom is also. um, And that maybe their marriage is also great, um, which we find out later on. Um, whereas Kurt, Kurt in a way is almost like a Disney princess because what happens to all Disney princesses? Their mothers die. Oh, yeah. that's right. But but they know, but at the same time, but they also have that idealized, yes, my mother passed away, but she had this wonderful relationship with my dad. So so I think Kurt, I, as much as we want to say that Blaine was immature, and I think, and when we get to later on to the cheating, I think that played a part in it. I think Kurt also is a, being a bit immature Absolutely. about how these relationships work. I think both of them are immature, but in different ways. Yeah. I would agree. I would Something agree. that I would, I, I always kind of go back to when I look at this is that, you know, yes, Blaine kind of is already in this headspace where, you know, my relationship's over or this is totally going to end badly. Kurt was too much the other way. He was like, this, this, you know, relationship is going to be great. And I can la 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 go off in my la la land. I mean, it's not. And and on the Kurt side, we'll get into why, but like he kind of, I can hang up on my boyfriend for gossip. La 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 la. Not that I have any opinion about that. Sorry. <laughs> I he, he neglects his relationship as if he doesn't need to put in because he's like oh yeah we're gonna get oh, we're gonna get married and grow old and that's fine but in in a, in a, a mature relationship you have it's hard work and you have to put in the work to make it work you can't just rely on love and fantasy to to make a relationship work and I think that um, that's why it, it's frustrating I know that you know, fandom goes on either side A or side B. And and one of the things I I really wanted to break down with these podcasts is that it's both of their faults that this fell apart. There's no bad guy. It's just these circumstances, you know, caused friction. And and these, you know, these kids are portrayed as only human and and as kids. So 
but Blaine needs the thing is Blaine is needs Curtis not hearing from him. And so the voices in his head is that Kurt's not there for him. Kurt, I could easily see fantasizing about Blaine and constantly thinking about Blaine, but then forgetting, oh wait, I do actually have to call him every once in a while. Right. Exactly. <laughs> not in, here in my head I, with me. I've been thinking about stuff going on with my mom and dad, and then suddenly I go, oh wait a second, I haven't called my parents in two weeks. Yep, exactly. <laughs> So getting into the relation, the relationship, <laughs> getting into the episode, um, <laughs> we open up and, and we get this whole speech about like, here's Brittany and here's Blaine and they're sitting watching, um, Jarley do their obnoxious thing. And, um, now, 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 I'm just going to give a little, I'm going to stand up a little bit. No, nope, go ahead. Days. Go ahead. Do that. Cause I need to be yeah. knocked down a peg every once in a while. So real, real quickly, I just want to bring up. <laughs> I, I want to bring up, and this was a post that I made that, that our friend Kay totally agreed with, is that I think the reason that we didn't like the newbies at first was because we were seeing them as Will saw them. Will was specifically looking for people to replace Rachel and Finn and Kurt, and he saw Unique and Jake and Marley as ways to do that. And then it was until later in the season that Will suddenly realized, oh, these aren't my replacements for the originals that I love so much. These are actually their own people with their own personalities. And fascinating. The moment that Will was no longer interested in them, we became more invested. Because they became real people. I mean, not that they weren't like, but it's nice that the narrative like lets them become their own people instead of these replacements. So, yeah. But anyway, um, so we get Brittany and Blaine um, talking about, well, it's really Brittany talking about how, or no, Blaine says um, everything was just like Valentine's Day and everything was so happy and I was so happy. And, you know, and then Brittany has the comment where says, you know, we're still young. Shouldn't we still be feeling that way? And, mm-hmm. I, you know, her logic is a little flawed there. This is the same person who also, sorry, I was just going to say, this is just as a side note, this is the person who also lost her presidential election because she said she wanted to get rid of nights and weekends and have everybody stay at school all the time so that they could always be together yes this is Brittany. yeah i it's i guess it, i at least I, and you guys correct me if i'm wrong it kind of plays into blaine's insecurities though like if i'm not mm-hmm. feeling happy like i always was this just you know confirms that this isn't working and my relationship's over yeah that it's it's I, I would agree that he's just like, isn't it always supposed to feel like this? And if it doesn't, then that means then if it doesn't feel like this, then then that's it. Well, I think also I think that's a you know, if you've never gone through a relationship or like this is their first relationship, yeah. relationships change and the way you feel about people change. And, and you know, it's it's not going to always feel like Valentine's Day every day, you know, so. Oh. I think you're 100 percent correct on that. Mm-hmm. There are kind of this this um. It's interesting to me about this relation about. Gosh, I keep saying it wrong. About this episode, is that there's actually not a whole lot of clean in it, but the Finchel and Britanna stories actually parallel a lot in this one. And um, I did want to bring up really quickly about uh, Brittany feeling left behind and Finn feeling like he doesn't you know uh, fit into Rachel's world. And kind of combining those two thoughts kind of makes me think of Blaine and where he's at in this story. I think so. Because, I mean, these are, it's, there's the breakuppers, the breakuppers and the breakuppies. 
and you know, in the end, it's like Brittany and Finn and Blaine are all the ones that were broken up with. Mm. And so mm. it's almost like they feel like, yep, I was right. So because with Finn, he's it's like you said, it's just like, you know, he's he's come back to Rachel. And to be fair, he's one that left in the first place. Yeah. But he's being left behind, but he's being left behind in more of a in more of a time of life sense in that. Um, and it really is, does, you know, with Brittany and Blaine, it's somewhat slightly different because both of them are still in high school and their, you know, their, you know, respective girlfriend, boyfriend have moved on to, to, you know, be huge metropolis of Louisville or to New York. Whereas with Finn, I mean, obviously same age as they graduated together, but you have that stagnation versus that moving on. Well, and, and look at Finn. Mm-hmm. He hasn't, he didn't go to college. He went off into the army, but didn't really even make it there. And even though Rachel has her own struggles in New York, he's not there to see them. He just kind of sees her as successful. And that's, you know, and that, and that realizing that New York is not for him. Yeah. And physically Brittany and Blaine are back in Lima emotionally Finn is as well. Right. Exactly. So I, it's interesting. I am always back and forth about this episode, but I think that the the paralleling of all these stories is really fascinating in that way. That they all kind of fit together on these very thematic, on this very thematic level of. I mean, even with the left behind stuff that the newbies will do later on, it's kind of like there are people over here, and then there are people over there. And the people over here just don't feel as adequate as the people over there, even though the people over there have their own issues. If that makes any sense. <laughs> yeah. What, one <clears throat> thing that, wait a second, I just have a hold up. Wait a minute. We need to reverse this. Oh, sure. <laughs> uh, so as we mentioned, Brittany and Blaine are having their little tete-a-tete about wasn't supposed to last forever. It's not supposed to always feel like this while they're watching Jake and Marley interact. Mm-hmm. Jake and Marley aren't dating at this point. No, they aren't. Technically, Jake and Kitty are. Jake and Marley are just being friends and commiserating that they both have to do reduced school lunch. That's right. They're just kind of flirting with each other a little bit. Brittany and Blaine just assume that Jake and Marley are a couple. Yeah, interesting. Maybe that's because, I mean, think about all of the flirting that went on between both, uh, you know, Britanna and Plain before they were actually dating and... Mm-hmm. Remember that time before we just got together when it was just so optimistic and hopeful and then we did and then every day was like Valentine's Day. Yeah. And, yeah. and whereas Kitty just more gutter claws into Jake. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> very, very, it, it was very, very season, early season one Quinn like. Yeah. That was the other thing. Kitty was basically supposed to be the new Quinn. Yep. Um, so the next part, we actually don't get uh, Blaine again until the, the phone call. Um, where Blaine is trying to communicate. I mean, I, I have to give him some credit here because, it, well, yeah, Kurt does call, but Blaine is like, look, I, I'm, I'm, any, I miss you. I miss messing around with you. And the way he mumbles it, because, I mean, we're still in William McKinley High School, so he has to kind of mumble, messing around with you. So, you know, any assholes in the, you know, in the hallways don't go, he's talking about gay sex. <gasps> so... Just pointing that out. <laughs> yeah. So this, and this is where I think that Blaine is touch starved. 
Mm-hmm. I really feel like Blaine is very much, is very touched star. Because again, we'll, let's go mm-hmm. back to his family. I really think going forward to shooting star, everyone's just like, see, Blaine's parents are loving and, and they support him. It's just like, you know, something happens when your kid almost gets shot. Yeah. Yes. You know, I mean, it's one of those like, holy crap, you know, you huddle down and it's a temporary thing. Mm-hmm. It's like, and I'm just going to make this comparison. It's like 9-11. Yeah. Everybody was all, t- we're all in this together, sis boom bah, right after 9-11 and then shit fell apart. Mm-hmm. When it really came down, it's like, oh, wait a second. We still totally disagree on this and that and this. And I think you're going to hell and I think you're a bigot and it blew up again. <clears throat> and look at our n- n- look at our national politics now, and it's not even twenty years later. God, as long as we're not, it's not even four months later. Jesus H. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and man. by the way, we, it's like I'm saying from nine eleven. I might point out by the time this podcast airs, he forty five may or may not be actually being impeached. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this will be this will air in um late June, early July. So let's let's keep our fingers crossed. Um <laughs> but, but anyway, it's like I, I, I maintain that like except for stuff like shooting star where oh my if, if your parents, I mean, if you it's like of course you're gonna be freaked out for your kid, but then every day to day, this kid does not get hugs and kisses. He doesn't, and and that's another thing that um that is actually a big difference between between Kurt and Blaine that I think is relevant to bring up that Blaine is a very physical person. He, I mean, not to put it in these strict labels of like love languages, but he seems like you know touch is his kind of love language, and um like he's not getting that at all, and. Kurt doesn't necessarily understand that because Kurt doesn't and like Kurt like give me five foot of you know feet of space. We're gonna see this also in the New York arc in season five. It's like, you know, what they need sometimes is very different from what the other one needs, and they don't necessarily always understand that, especially being eighteen year old kids. So right, yeah. And the thing that's interesting to me is yes, Kurt called him, but called him to break a phone date. You know, because we're going back to, to he needs mm-hmm. to hear from Kurt. He needs to talk to Kurt. He's intending, okay, he's going to be talking to Kurt that night. I can I can make it till tonight. I can make it till tonight. Oh, hey, stranger. You know, you're called early. Yeah. Oh, you're calling yeah. to tell me you can't talk to me. Yeah. Oh, I think mm-hmm. also, and, and maybe you guys can correct me if I'm wrong. For this poor kid. I mean, seriously. I kind of yeah. see also in this phone call that he's trying to hold it together for Kurt, too. Like... I'm going to try and not be too needy, but I'm really, really needing you right now. And Kurt, of course, is not there. I mean, he is off in his little New York folk world, not noticing these signs that Blaine is in a really bad place. And Blaine is is just his dapper teenage dream, you know? Yeah. You are perfect to me. And it's, yeah. Oh, man. This scene is actually one of the harder ones, to be honest with you. I mean, I know we're going to get the whole conversation in a minute, but, like, this and just really, it is harsh the way, like, Blaine says I love you, but Kurt has already hung up to go gossip with somebody yeah. before that. And it's just, hey. oh. And you just have that that that, that, that puppy face, that, God, God, that that, that puppy that made a mess face. <laughs> I'm, I'm going, those, his eyebrows, it's like, you ever notice how his eyebrows would just do this thing? The sadder and sadder he got. Oh, my God. Okay. And I have to get the impression that this is not a one-time thing. I mean, this is 
there's an issue of communication complete breakdown because I'm guessing a lot of their phone calls are like this. Like this has been happening more and more. Mm-hmm. Oh, but wait a minute. Rachel wants me to come to her to callbacks or something, or wait a minute. Isabel wants me to work on this thing. And like, I'll call you back. I'll call you later. And it just builds up and to blame. It's just, you know, more knives in the heart to him. Like, okay, well, Kurt really doesn't need me or want me or et cetera, et cetera. And when they do talk, it's always about New York and what's going on with giving Rachel a makeover. And it's almost never about what's going on with Blaine's life. And it's like every once in a while, I feel like I also have to point out, and by the way, I am not doing this to bash Kurt. No, no. As much as I was shaking Blaine's shoulders going, what are you doing? I was doing the same thing with Kurt. What are you doing? He says, he says that I missed talking with you and I miss messing around with you. And I think Teach was saying, or maybe it was you that was saying that there's a definite pattern that this is not the first time that this kind of phone call has happened. Yeah. And that this, in fact, he called during the school day to tell him that he was having to cancel their Skype date that night, which I didn't even yeah. ever doing Skype dates anymore. At this point, they might just be doing phone dates. Right. If they do those. But there's a lot of, and I think that when they do have Skype or phone dates, it's mostly Kurt talking about New York. And you saw that that the previous episode when Blaine was trying to ha- help have Kurt help him pick out the bow tie, mm-hmm. and Kurt totally blew him off. Yeah, exactly. And then and then Sam tells him, "Don't even use the bow tie." Yeah, and he won. And he won. Yeah. Uh, we did talk about that in makeover too, about how that was kind of metaphorical. Uh, that it was, you know, getting rid of the bow tie was changing, and a lot of the themes in early season four is kind of about resetting and restarting and the show is different. And part of that is, you know, breaking up these longtime couples. So when, uh, pink, you had, you were mentioning, um, that this kind of goes right into the barely breathing performance. Mm-hmm. It goes right into the Duncan chic song. And I am actually currently looking up, um, the Glee version because I wanted to look at how the lyrics are split between Finn and Blaine. Um, I think that might be in the Glee wiki, maybe. Yep, I actually have that pulled up right now. Um, so Blaine's oh, lines are, um, I know what you're doing. I see it all too clear. I only taste the Celine when I kiss away your tears. And then he says, I believe in your confusion. You were completely torn. It must have been that yesterday was the day I was born. And then they both say together, I say goodbye. And they sing the chorus together because I'm barely breathing. I can't find the air. I don't know who I'm kidding, imagining you there. And I think that's also when he starts hallucinating Mm -hmm. a never-been-kissed part. A book full for another is worth the price, the price that I would pay. And, well, I mean, and I was also, it doesn't hurt to go ahead and parallel this with Finn's lyrics. Like, one of the big ones was, like, like, really had me going wishing on a star. Remember, Finn was you know, one that yes. got the star for for Rachel, but also wishing on the star that Rachel is is going to be. But the black holes that surround you are heavier by far. What does a black hole do? Sucks you in. And it sucks everything else in. It sucks in all matter. And so, and it's weird because he has this vision that Rachel is, she's, she's going out to her stardom. I don't think he really realizes just how sucky it's been for Rachel at this point. <laughs> and also one of those black holes could very well be Brody. Oh so. yeah. Um, but also, I mean, what do you guys make of the fact that Blaine is literally repicturing Kurt 
in his never been kissed when he first, they first met sitting there mm-hmm. looking very judgy at him. Actually, it's, it's interesting. It's that idealized. It's that I- ideal, that first look, that first love. And I think it's very much Kurt is totally judging him. It's like, remember, uh, when they did, um, misery and he's and oh it wasn't like i'm totally judging you it was just like when he says you know when he's doing the whole it's like this is blaine and the pips and kurt says oh yeah i'm totally jealous i'm totally judging you for this but um but yeah but kurt wearing that outfit blaine's imagining him and also having that judging look it's like because this time he's got the big old swoop here that's the one thing that's different. He's got his big, you know, behind the hair, but closer to God here. I was going to ask you guys about that, too, about do you think that it was intentional that he doesn't look like season two Kurt dressed up as season two Kurt, but season four Kurt dressed up as season two Kurt? That's intentional. Everything they did that way was intentional. The, the costume department and the, the, the makeup department had more continuity than anybody had the right to have that worked on Glee. <laughs> I mean, when you think about it. Yeah. The way they dressed these folks and which brooch he wore for which type of scene. I mean, they they were they they were on their game. So they knew exactly what they were doing with the hair and the makeup and that outfit. Mm-hmm. Blaine Blaine was- wanted little Kurt back. I mean, in my mind, Blaine wanted Kurt to need him as much as he needed Kurt. And season four Kurt didn't need Blaine in that same way. In Blaine's imagination, I might add. In imagination. Well, yes. and and to an extent, no, Kurt doesn't need him, but it. But I think the thing that Blaine is missing, and that the Kurt is failing at, at portraying, is that Kurt still wants him. Yes. And and then and then, I think Kurt needs him just in a different way. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I think I Kurt needs to have that foundation. He needs to have that solid. There is somebody out there in this world that sees me for who I am and loves me, mm-hmm. because. Rachel really didn't do that for him. <laughs> yeah. And Blaine I mean, is like, I need someone here with me, near me. Me, holding my hand, mm-hmm. messing around, hover over the phone. Yes. Yeah. Um. So, yeah. So then this leads up to him making a new friend oh, oh. on Facebook. <laughs> so, and, and this is, you know, this kind of thing I spent, I, I personally, when I first saw it, I originally wrote it off as a contrivance. Like they needed something to really break this relationship up. So they just threw cheating in there because they could. But I know a lot of Blaine fans have really connected it. So that's why I'm going to kind of let you guys talk for a minute. Because I I know that you guys have a a really much better perspective than I do on the whole thing. So, Well, my first first thing with the Facebook thing was, well, I guess they couldn't get permission to use, copyright permission to use Grindr. (laughs) that's true (laughs) that would have made more sense in a way (laughs) well the other thing is though isn't there isn't there isn't there an age limit thing on grinder like not that anybody pays attention to that but yeah there might be like 17 or it might have been 18 or older i don't know i don't use grinder i'll google it i'll google it yeah (laughs) dj's gonna google it I mean, if you want to hit on somebody's racist uncle, then certainly use Facebook. So yeah, like, how did Eli see even find Blaine? I mean, it's just interesting. And the lighthouse, and the lighthouse, to the lighthouse. And can I just 
this is a flashback, and I want somebody to look this up. I want someone to look up Kendra Wells's old art, Kendra Kendra, went back when she did yes. Lee artwork, which she no longer even tags anymore. Sad. Um, but the one where he says, he's just like, why are you disappointed? You know that, you know, I wasn't really the size of a lighthouse. How would that thing even fit? It's <laughs> <laughs> like, well, I sure as hell was going to try. Oh, even later on in, in dynamic duets when he's like, what, I didn't look like my Facebook profile. <laughs> That's what it was. It's like, are you, because I didn't look like my Facebook profile. <laughs> just like. I thought you were actually the size of a lighthouse. I, I, I seriously believe that they threw that in there just because they were so tired of the fans. <laughs> I think you just threw it in. As, it's like, let's throw in a dick joke. Why not? Keep in mind, yeah. these are the same people that also thought that David Karofsky would have a would have his icon on Facebook as him screaming at someone. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, well, Pink, I know that you definitely had... Um, I guess, what is Blaine's headspace going into this? I mean, why does he cheat? There are several reasons. Um, first, as I mentioned before, where Blaine is touch-starved. Blaine is the type of person that needs to have affection. And he will, and, you know, when it absolutely comes down to complete desperation, he will take it, you know, from someone who will offer it. At this point, he's not really friends with Sam. I mean, he is kind of friends but not really i mean they, they agreed to run for office together but they haven't had that tight friendship we won't see that until dynamic duets um tina at this point is just as far as tina's concerned he's just another rival damn it she was supposed to be the new rachel yeah um you know arnie's got his i don't know what's going on with arnie um but blaine is very much he was, it's, he's getting to that point where, you know what? Yes, I did transfer all the way to McKinley for Kurt, and now he's no longer here. And he admits that later on. I mean, he admits, yes, it absolutely, and it was a mistake. Um, another thing is, because Blaine is in this headspace that everything is over, but just in case it's not completely over, maybe he needs to give it that final push. It's what I call self-sabotaging behavior. So he is thinks that, you know what, if this is over, I might as well guarantee that it is. And yeah. um, as he explains later on in Dynamic Duets, it's also, uh, you know, if it really is over, then maybe it won't feel so bad if I do this. That, you know, the only person I've ever really had sex with is Kurt. Maybe it's going to be different with someone else. And all it does is, as he said, confirmed how much he loved and missed Kurt and now oh god I've done this terrible thing and so yeah oh, I was just going to say that makes a, a lot of sense when you, you add that kind of context to it and it's interesting I think so many years later I don't feel like it's as out of left field as I did when you know it was airing but I wasn't also looking for signs and I wasn't you know you get in that happy fandom place where you just want your OTP to be happy so um, yeah and one other yeah, thing that I, I want to mention, sorry, I'm sorry, T. No, go ahead. Go um, ahead. But just the, the, the final thing that I wanted to mention was in addition to the being touch starved, being self sabotaging, and this is somewhat related to this touch starved, is that sometimes, and this happens, you know, I mean, this is happening to me, this is happening to people I know, but sometimes all you really need, all you really want at the time is cuddling, maybe kissing, and that's just it. But then one thing does lead to another. And you don't want to be, you don't want to be that person that says no. 
So you just kind of go, kind of, you kind of let the wave, kind of ride the wave as it goes. He may not have actually meant to have sex with Eli, but in the end he did. And I, I'm going to add to that too, that Blaine was somebody who didn't say no very often. In, in, in as you look historically at this point backwards, you know, he he had every reason not to go to public school again, but he didn't want to say no to Kurt. He had every reason not to go out with Rachel after the drunk episode. And yet he said, yes, it, there's, there's lots of places in there where you think, come on, Blaine, just come on. He, Blaine. he could have put it. It's like, this is going to, this is going to sound like, you know, like peanuts compared to what he did, but the whole Britney 2.0 thing, when Britney said, let's lip sync and Blaine's like, no, or Blaine's thinking no, but he goes along with this. Like we were just trying to help Brittany out. Yeah. And he goes and does them. It could have gotten many directions completely disqualified. Yep. Yeah. There's lots and, of places. And, where and we'll even call him out no, saying, Blaine, you're the new leader of this group and you should have said no. Yep. So one of the few times, but I was actually on Will's side. <laughs> Cause I'm sorry. Will was right. <laughs> it was a stupid thing that they did. Well, so. There's a lot of stupid things that happen in this show. It's one of the reasons yeah. I loved it so much. <laughs> in that case, we'll My stupid every- little show. Yeah. But yeah, there's, I, there's, there's that whole piece to, to kind of put my two cents in as well about where Blaine's headspace was and why. Um, I, I can relate this back to my own life. When I was in college, I was head over heels in love with this boy thought for sure that he was the one. Um, I was in college in California. He lived here in Minnesota. There was no, um, I, I, I honestly spent hundreds of dollars a month in long distance bills, which nobody will relate to anymore because I'm so damn old. <laughs> Did you have a calling card? Um, Do you have an 18th yes. long distance card? No, actually we had, we had to have calling cards on our, um, uh, in order to dial long distance from That's the, the school, like, you, like you it the wasn't an AT and T card. We had to buy them from the school. Oh, okay. you know what I'm saying? It wasn't an AT and T card. It was the San Diego State card. Oh, okay. <laughs> and yeah, my you, parents you would like, to... send me those. My parents would send me those to college in Virginia so I could call them. Yeah, see, and we weren't we we couldn't use those. We had to actually have the San Diego State one. So I'd I'd I'd, I'd put two hundred dollars in my account, use the San Diego State cards run out of money and have to, and I would go through three or four of them in a month, some months. Mm-hmm. And it, I mean, it was that situation. And so it wasn't as simple as Kurt and Blaine picking up a phone and calling each other or Skyping or any of that. Mm-hmm. He stopped talking to me, stopped answering my phone calls, told I could hear him in the background telling his sister, tell her I'm not home, you know, those sorts of things. So mm-hmm. here's me stuck out in California, no idea what's going on, no idea why, not having a clue what's happening. I go to a Super Bowl party. I meet this blonde guy. He's a Marine. He's hot. He's cute. We hang out together. I figure this other guy has dumped me because I haven't talked to him in three weeks, four weeks, five weeks. Mm-hmm. Marine asks me to marry him. I'm head over heels now. I say, okay. I, mar- I I end up married to the Marine now 27 years. And the other guy called me about probably four weeks after we got <laughs> engaged oh, and said, and said, I love you so much. I'm sorry. I had to get my head around straight. I think I want to spend the rest of my life with you. And I'm like, sorry, sucker, you're too late. I mean, it was that. <laughs> wow. Geez. <laughs> the stories yeah. I could tell. No, I mean, seriously, I, there are people that tell me my life could have been a fanfic. <laughs> but, 
<laughs> I'm but, going, I mean, damn, just imagine it could have been worse. It could have been Blaine calling a few years later and Kurt going, oh, I just got married to this, you know, British guy. <laughs> Beth, so this British guy, exactly. <laughs> oh. But Blaine didn't stop calling Kurt. It was the other way That's around. Right. So it would be Blaine yeah. that would be married to the lighthouse. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I'm just saying in real life people do that people stop talking to each other people stop communicating and relationships die because of it it's, yeah, I, it, that's just a glee thing that happens and the headspace that Blaine was in at that time he 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 had ex, extended that out from you know all the way back in dance with somebody this is what's going to happen I'm so sure of it and Kurt kept telling him it's not going to but then Kurt went right into that pattern of yes it is Mm-hmm. And Blaine was only seeing that side of it. Yeah. So he, I mean, it it makes sense in my silly head because, um, crap, yeah, I was the one that did that in my own relationship. Yeah. <laughs> no, it worked out for me. I mean, 27 years later, we're still married, but. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's good. I'm glad it worked out for you. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, in the meantime, I was definitely, I was one of those people that kind of ghosted. I, I, I feel bad because I actually was one person that, though I did eventually call the guy and say, look, it's like, this is not going to work out. I, just, I had been dating somebody when I lived in one town and I had, in the meantime, lost my job in that town. And in order to stay in the career that I was in, I knew that I had to move. And so I like, you know, interviewed with a few other radio stations and of having to move like about four hours away, um, which is not California to Minnesota, I will admit. Um, but still it was, I, in retrospect, I should have broken up with him before leaving. Mm -hmm. And instead I just waited a couple of weeks before talking to him and then said, and and it was kind of almost immediate. I was like, you know what? I really, I just cannot see myself doing this relationship. And this is like before like internet was widespread and everything like that. So it was just gonna be a lot of talking on a cell phone. So, um, so it was $700. And the thing is, it's like, and we're like really good friends now. I mean, now he like, he lives in Georgia and, you know, we're Facebook friends and every once in a while we meet up at a tailgate and Ole Miss football game. Um, but you know, things worked out, you know, I, I met a great guy and got married and you know, he's, you know, doing well, he's single, but you know, that's good. I think the moral of the story so far is that things have happy endings. (laughs) Not always. I know that's not always real life, but, you know, this is always... Had a happy ending. Teach had a happy ending. Pink had a happy ending. Different happy endings, but yeah. Yeah, exactly. And long-distance relationships uh, take a lot of only as much... Will only last as much as the work you're willing to put into them on both sides. Um, This is kind of a, a hypothetical question here. Do you guys think that... Like, would the relationship, would they have gotten, how do I put this? Like, if they had broken up at the end and broke it off at the end of season three, how do you think this would have played out? Do you think that they would have still gotten back together? Or do you think they would have just gone their own ways and dealt with it? It's, I don't know, just something, like, if they hadn't tried and kind of failed at it and just kind of broke it off like the way Brittany and Santana did... Mm-hmm. You know, I I don't know. I don't have an answer. It's kind of a rhetorical hypothetical sec- or, uh, question, but... I don't know. I think... I know this sounds bad, but I feel like one of the couples had to have broken up, had to break up in this way. Because you had the example of a couple that just drifted apart. You had the example of a couple who decided to, in 
Gwyneth terms a conscious uncoupling. <laughs> yep. I'm sorry. Yeah, just... oh. you, had, you had the almost, not necessarily breakup, but the, you know, you know, temporary long distance separation, what's going to happen with this thing with Will and Emma. And then of course, then you had, you know, the batshit crazy that was Kitty. <laughs> and uh, I'm breaking out with you because you tried to convince that some poor girl that the apocalypse was nigh. <laughs> Um, I always kind of thought that one of the reasons they broke them up this way um, was that they needed something kind of bigger to break them. Like, yeah, I do think that there's enough, you know, miscommunication going on that it was, you know, something bad was going to happen. But I feel like this was like a big thing that could happen to them that could Mm -hmm. completely sever it in a way that may not have really worked had they just been continually going in this pattern of not communicating. Yeah. I think they needed something big. I think they also, and this is something else. Um, and teacher, I want you to go ahead and chime in on this, but I'm just going to say it very quickly. I think they had heard whether we think they did or not. I think they actually did hear some of the, um, some of the complaints from fandom that blame was being used by a, as a jukebox and was basically Kurt's boyfriend and saw this as an opportunity for character growth. Yeah, I think that's, I, I, I think there's part of that is there. Um, I think they knew they had a gold mine in Darren's voice, to be honest. Um, I think they knew they had a gold mine in, in, in Darren in general. Um, in his ass. Said, spoken <laughs> as a true Darren Stan, you know. <laughs> But, you know, when he was hired on in season two, he was hired on as a bit player and Teenage Dream hit number one. And they were like, yeah, we're, we're signing him for as long as we possibly can. Him and that ass, you know, <laughs> it was just that's that. And we're going to give it, it we're going to give his ass billing as a supporting role in season five. Exactly. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Um, I, I remember when Lima High, uh, Jason would always, when they did the recaps, and they're like, and this week's special guest star is Darren Chris's ass. <laughs> <laughs> and then we also did the shameless objectification of Port Street. Port Street, yeah. <laughs> <Not too. laughs> oh, man. Yes, yes. Um, but no, going, you know, going back to the, the actual conversation, sorry, Darren's ass got me completely off track. <laughs> <laughs> No, I do think there was there 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 was some of that behind the scenes stuff. I do think that um, it di- it didn't make logical sense for Blaine to be the one to cheat in my mind when you looked at how he reacted to the whole Chandler situation. And I know that's where a lot of the Kurt stands come from. Is mm-hmm. Blaine was so over the top about Chandler? How dare he? How could he? Um, and I don't think he would have if it hadn't been that he already thought the the relationship was over. You know, in his in his mind, it was already gone, so there wasn't anything to cheat on. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think there that that the cheating scenario came partly from there as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and looking at the you know the the big picture and the big arc, because um, there still was one at this point. There was still an arc that they were headed for, mm-hmm. and it was going to be Finn going back to school, becoming a teacher, taking over the Glee Club, and Blaine was going to be a big part of that. Yeah you know he was gonna you know of getting Finn to do that yeah um that that kind of fell apart when Corey went back to rehab and then of course it fell apart in season five and six Definitely. but yeah 
you know, I, I think they were gearing up for Blaine to be kind of the foundation of the Lima crew mm-hmm. when they were going to have those two split, you know, when it was going to be a split show. Yeah. That's, that's my two cents. Yeah. And, and one last, and one last cent. Um, I think this also spells um, this entire cheating thing, but also the thing with Chandler, I think Blaine, as much as he was the, you know, wonderful dapper Blaine that we all loved looking back, he def he has always had self-esteem issues. Yeah. So insecure. Yeah. So totally insecure. insecure. Yeah. No, I, I agree. And I, I think that's why, like, yeah, I realized that he said that stuff in, 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 um, in dance with somebody, but I, I think what you guys are saying is correct. And that like, it's not that he, you know, did a one eighty. It's just that the circumstances changed and he was just so in a different mindset from even then that mm-hmm. the rules were all changed. Yeah. And yeah. I, yeah. Yep. It, back when dance with somebody was happening, he was right there with Kurt mm-hmm. and he was still giving Kurt affection. Maybe not as much as Kurt was hoping for, but right. he was still there. They were still holding hands. They were still singing duets that was still happening. And well, remember he was Blaine pulling was... away, but mm-hmm. yeah, he, he was, was pulling away. away. Sorry, yeah. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I saw that there's this weird overlap thing going on. Yeah, go Pete, go. He was pulling away, but Bert was also pulling away. Remember? Yeah, and that's how Bert made Kurt realize that it was this whole we don't. It's like we're it's, we're trying to we're pulling away because we think it's going to make it easier when you finally leave. Yeah. Well, and Kurt, you know, I love Kurt to death, and, and I have a tendency to end up on that side of line. Um, as a dummy, sometimes you have to like hit this kid upside the head to get him to realize things. So, mm-hmm. Blaine's very subtle, you know, inward angst and trying to, you know, all of his his dapper uh, teenage dream Disney prince thing, you know, persona is kind of masking the fact that he's so insecure and so needy in a way. And I don't mean that in a bad way that Kurt's just completely missing it. Cause you know, he needs to be whacked upside the head and say, Hey, look, this is what's going on. And does anybody think that maybe things would have been a little bit different if maybe Bert called Kurt every once in a while saying, have you called Blaine today? Yeah. Yeah. But then again, Kurt doesn't even talk to Bert that much. And, and, and as a parent, I would, I, I'm, I'm thinking to myself, I would be pulling back as well, thinking, okay, he's got to make it on his own. He's got to make it on his own. You can't call him every five minutes. You can't call him every five minutes. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, I was just talking with a colleague about this today, something as simple as her ninth grader trying to learn to get himself up in the morning. She had to walk out of the house at 720 when the bus was supposed to come at 725, knowing full well her son had slept through his alarm. But she did it anyway, because he's got to learn. And I'm just like, mm-hmm. I don't know if I could do that. But it's that same, okay, could I, should I call him? Should I interfere in his relationship? Should I, should I? No, back off. He's got to make it on his own. Mm-hmm. So I could kind of see where Bert's coming from in that same perspective. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. So I'm kind of going off of that. We get Lane showing up in New York. Um, and yeah, I mean, what is his motivation there? Like, what is he, I guess this is another thing. I'm like, oh, you know, does he just need to see Kurt? Because he did this thing, or he just wants to end it, or what is going on? The same motivation. I think he went to fess up. Yeah. Yeah, what, yeah, what Teach was, said. 
he went to fess up. He screwed up big time. He knew he'd screwed up big time. And the only thing he could think of to do to try and fix it was to confess it and hope that Kurt was going to forgive him. And hey, he flew all this way. You flew all this way for me. You surprised me two weeks early. Thank you. Oh, you cheated? No big deal. Like that was ever going to happen. But that's what was going on in his head. Well, I mean, think about how, I mean, what of Blaine's process, what if he had tried to tell Kurt about this, this over the phone? Because I oh, mean, God. one thing is for sure, Blaine wouldn't have, Blaine couldn't have gone. There's no way Kurt can ever find out about this. No, no, no way Blaine ever would have. Well, and Kurt nope, would have. Not my Blaine. Probably would have hung up on him too and not talked to him for a very, very long time. And Blaine, you know, ever probably again. needed. That would have been the end of that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Blaine probably needed to come out there and, and do that, uh, you know, just have a final goodbye, if nothing else, you know? Yeah, I think so. Because he was. <laughs> and I really think that he had this pie in the sky hope that Kurt would forgive him. I mean, he's the one that says at the end, I don't even know if we broke up. I don't know. We didn't we didn't really say in it, say it, you know. Mm-hmm. So in his mind, he's still hanging on to that thread of, well, he didn't say he broke up with me. <laughs> I don't he's it's just like he didn't necessarily say that but he's just he's just kind of like I don't even know if we're actually broken up or not and but what's going unsaid is but we probably are but we probably are yeah so yeah Blaine gets to New York and the interesting thing is like Kurt is so excited to see him I mean just mm-hmm. thrilled that he's there and excited that they're gonna go hang out and then of course Rachel is like yeah we're all gonna be a happy foursome again it's like oh God. <laughs> Honestly, though, I think part of it, Kurt's is just like, oh, yes, thank God you're here to rescue me from this Rachel Finn tension that's going, that's thick like a knife in this damn loft. Yes. Not realizing that pretty soon the knife is going to be in his heart. I know. He's just like, look, I can't, I can't go and watch drug deals go down at the park forever. <laughs> <laughs> With my croque madame. <laughs> And I don't know, I, I feel like that makes it even sadder because Blaine shows up and Kurt's so happy. And then, you know, it just, poor Blaine, because like, like it just makes it almost worse in some respects. Because if he showed up and Kurt was like, oh, yeah, you're here. It's like, yeah, you're here. And he's like, oh, shit. I thought you just slammed the door in my face because we were over. But, well, shit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, and then you've got the Finn of it all. He's like, oh my god, Finn! And you just look at how much he cranes his neck to go, holy... It's like, he forgot Finn, I forgot how tall you are. <laughs> oh, man. So they all go out to callbacks. Yeah. By the way, before we get to callbacks, again, we will bring this back up during the Christmas episode, but beware of anybody bringing any effing plans. Yes, I forgot about that. Um, and Because oh. you mentioned it um, when Brody first showed up. He showed up with a plant. And we all know that Brody was going to be, at least, you know, not the greatest guest ever. Roses, orchids, Christmas trees. If, if it's a plant, screw it. Yeah, no more plants. Yep, yep. No plants. No, slam the door in the face. Slam no the door. Plants. <laughs> to paraphrase, to paraphrase Edna Mode, no plants. <laughs> and no cape. No cape. <laughs> So, yeah, we get into callbacks. Oh, sorry, Teach, what were you saying? No, no, I was just saying, we want the capes. We want Nightbird. Nightbird! Nightbird. I know, you can't see his ass with that damn cape. Oh, but he's so pretty <laughs> still. He's short cape. <laughs> short cape. <laughs> Those 
above his waistline. When you get the right wind blowing, though, you can. So you just got to get the cape with the right wind. At the right angle. There you go. <laughs> like a side <laughs> angle. Fans, I'm sure we could. <laughs> fans running fans. Okay, sorry. No, it's okay. So we digress again, all about Darren's app. Yeah, like we've never done that before. <laughs> I swear, this whole podcast is just diversion. Are you? Is this one going to be the one about Darren's ass? Is that what this podcast is going to be called? <laughs> oh man, does his ass even make an appearance really in this episode? I don't know. <laughs> That's the podcast. <laughs> well, we have to make it something funny and lighthearted. The one where Darren's ass makes an unexpected appearance. <laughs> That's a good one. Well, where Darren is not smuggling bananas. I'll <laughs> <laughs> have to save that for later. Oh, for Lights Out when he does the aerobics video. Um, <laughs> you should, oh, good. it's too bad that picture didn't come up before you did the the one that had not the boy next door because it could have been the one where Kurt's smuggling the bananas. <laughs> 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 all right call back. callbacks um so call back. yeah i have to i just want to shout out to the fact that this is so beautifully lit it's just such a gorgeous place i, I want to go there and sing yeah, season that joaquin cedillo was yeah the, it was this was this is joaquin's first season oh, okay shout out to joaquin cedillo absolutely he did amazing for seasons four through six did such amazing yep. job he was a master is a master and I want to talk really, 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 really quickly about the Brody-Rachel duet, just because, like, <laughs> which I actually liked. <laughs> well, yeah, I did too. I totally dug that duet. I loved how they took the Demi Lovato song, which, again, we have a history of, like, mentioning an artist or doing a song, and next thing you know, they're a guest star. So we should have known, oh, we're doing a Demi song, she'll be a guest star next season. Then. It, and it's not only just about, I mean, obviously it's a commentary on like everything that's going on, like, you know, give your heart a break, literally. But um, it's also kind of like Curtis, so like just antsy in a good way, just like excited. And Blaine is just sitting there like a zombie. Like he's just waiting for this to be over so he can go do his thing. And like he's just waiting for like this thing to drop on his head. Yeah. Yeah, there's like it's like there's the the one ton weight, the cartoon one ton weight with the rope is hanging above yes. Blaine's head, and the rope. Wiley Coyote's hanging onto it, and the rope. Yeah, runs and Wiley Coyote's holding onto it, and the rope is fraying, and Blaine is just waiting for it to snap. Mm-hmm. And I mean, and then we get the. I mean, it's such a silly line because we all know when it's coming, but he's like, Kurt is like, oh, this is gonna be the best night ever. No. Yeah, sorry. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. And what? He just, can I just say that he just shows up at the piano. Like, it's just like, he's he's now like, oh, I'm going to go take my turn of singing. It's just that, I can't remember if there's any transition. It's just there like, is. All he says, um, I want to, he's yes, after yes. they get done, he says, um, Blaine's just sitting there. And he goes, I want to sing something. And then Brody's like, yeah, go ask Pascal. And Kurt's like, Pascal. You're just kind of like, oh, what's yeah. this? And Blaine is just like, let me go do this now. Like, and it's like, again, a zombie state. He just, he, we don't see him walk up there, but. Yeah. But suddenly he, but he, had, he had to go ask Pascal. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about Teenage Dream. So there's two, I think there's really three that we have to talk about. 
The first is before we get to teenage dreams, before we get there. Okay. They, you know, when they did the whole thing about asking Kurt to perform and Kurt was like, ooh, and risk a page six spread. I don't think so. That whole piece of it to me shows just how far out of reality Kurt was at that time. Mm -hmm. And Blaine would see, would sit there and see that and think, oh, he's so popular. He's so powerful. He could get a page six spread. Blaine wasn't in a headspace there where he was looking at that going, oh, Kurt, roll eyes. Be You're being ridiculous. He yeah. was still in the headspace of that's Kurt's real life. And Kurt is still in the headspace of, I don't get it, Blaine. We're, why, why are you depressed? Exactly. You know, which we'll find out later. Exactly. It just, it yeah. shows the two of them, the, the differences in their headspaces so clearly. He's like, oh, risk a page six spread? I don't think so. Yeah, and, and old Blaine would me, me sitting here in my living is... room in Minnesota is rolling my eyes, going, "Oh, come on, Kurt!" You know. <laughs> well, but also Kurt is <laughs> like the callbacks. Kurt is excited. I mean, he's going to spend you know time with his brother and his best friend, but he he probably is like, "Okay, we're going to have sex tonight too." I mean, just like all of this, like this is going to be a perfect night. Yeah, he's all he's all excited. Totally not even going to. Yeah, yeah, we're not on the same page. We're not even on the same bookshelf, so. Not even the same room. Not even the same library. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, but, okay, so as I was saying, there's three teenage dreams, essentially, that we're talking about. The first one is the fact that the version of teenage dream that they use is the one that Darren had incorporated into performances before. Um, This was, if I'm not mistaken, was this before or after the Listen Up tour? It was before. Okay. All right. Anyway, I went in 2013 was, to see him. Um, yeah. and that, so, so yeah, this was before. This is 2012 still. Okay. Yeah. So, but he had performed at like Six Flags and the Mint and a few other things. But this is the version of Teenage Dream that Darren had a, had rearranged for yep. Darren's Black arrangement. So this is Darren's arrangement. So that's the one that we were familiar with. The second is the recorded version. Which I was very happy to have because until then I had a Six Flags version, which was kind of scratchy. So, mm. so I was happy to have a studio version of it. And then the third component, of course, is the live. Mm. Is the, the actual performance on the episode, which Darren did live, which was actually the first of three performances that he did. The others being Against All Odds and um, the parts of there was actually kind of the first part of um, um, Not While I'm Around. No, I thought he did all of me live as well. All of me, um, no. All of me actually. But he did Suddenly Seymour was. Oh, was it? Okay. Yeah, Suddenly Seymour, they started live. And he complained about that actually because nobody ever buys the recordings anymore. So no one's ever going to hear this really great thing that we did because they made us do it live. Oh, but they did anyway. I found the recording of it. Well, they did. The I have the recording of it. Um, yeah. yeah, but he, the first part of Not While I'm Around was live too. Yeah. In in um, in Bash. Yep. Um, I, the thing I want to say about the Teenage Dream performance that is the actual live performance on the show that is amazing to me is that you have him there. And I mean, with the studio version, it's a gorgeous recording of it. It's a gorgeous version of it, but it's kind of straight. Whereas the version that's in the episode is gets to be so chaotic. I mean, he starts rushing, he starts sobbing, he starts breaking down. And it's so emotional because of that, because it is not a great performance. 
because it's just kind of goes all over the place. It's mm-hmm. so powerful because of that. And it's one of those where it's like Finn is like, Finn is like, uh-oh, and Rachel's going, uh-oh, and Brody's like, even Brody's kind of like, who is this dude? Yeah, I think Brody's, it's like, I don't know, I think Brody's kind of like, wow, this guy's going to do really great at Nyata. Look at the motion he puts into it. <laughs> Carmen's going to love this guy. Yeah. Yeah, I think that it is one of the most heartbreaking scenes the show has ever done. I mean, and the thing is, okay, one of the lines that just gets me is when he's singing, it's like, gonna get your heart racing in my skin-tight jeans. He has this look of disgust, on, of self-disgust on his face. Yeah. Gonna get your hands on me in my skin-tight jeans. And he sings it as if he has been violated. Yeah. Or as if he's violated himself that he's violated this thing. And and it's interesting to me that it starts off as, you know, he gives us a little speech at the beginning, you know, this is my song that the first time I met the love of my life. And then by the end, he's like, I just want to get this over with. Like, that's why he starts yeah. rushing because he's he knows he's breaking down. And it's like, every mm. word of this seems like a lie. There's that violation feeling. Let's just get this done with and be done. Yeah. Yeah. This, that the my heart stops when you look at me just one touch now baby I believe this is real so take a chance and he knows that his chance is gone and it's like bookending it yep which referring back to Darren's letter that he wrote to fandom at the time mm-hmm. from teenage dream to teenage dream that's uh, that was how Darren closed that letter to fans because it was in 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 everyone's mind at the time the ending Mm-hmm. There was no guarantee that they were that they were not you know that they were going to get back together at any point. Yeah. That was never a guarantee, even in all of Ryan Murphy's spoilers. Yeah, I mean, for all which we was knew, another piece of this. For all we knew, they were going to find you know two more gay guys for Kurt and Blaine to you know have relationships with, which they never actually did. So, yeah. Well, there was Adam, and there's Walter. There's Adam. There was. But not really. And Karofsky. <laughs> he wasn't new. That's true. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I always... It, and I always kind of think of the whole fairy tale aspect of Klein's relationship. And this kind of ends that. I mean, obviously the proposal is still kind of this big fairy tale type thing too. But this is kind of the end of, you know, the first part of their relationship. This is, you know, that childhood first relationship of everything that's that's over now mm-hmm. so everything that they are yeah. past this point is a new thing and a different thing which isn't necessarily a bad thing no it's not i think they needed they needed this time they needed this this um admittedly like nearly violent in a way breakup but you know as we see their storylines go on you know through season four and then season five and season six um, they need that. Now, admittedly, would we have liked to have seen more of some sides of that? Absolutely. Um, but you only get so many episodes a season. And they have to, and they had to cram in as much sue as they felt like we wanted, which we didn't at the end. Just imagine how much more claim we would have had if we had gotten rid of all the freaking sue. <laughs> yeah, especially at the end. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, something that I had in my notes. Or the lemma. Oh, yeah. Sorry, I, I just we get rid of all the Sue and all the Wemma. Yeah. Um, I liked Emma. 
They should have wrapped up that Wemma storyline ages ago, but they did not. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, something that I had in my notes was that Blaine and his tendency to sing his feelings instead of express them. And I think it's an interesting, and I guess we'll tie in, just don't speak with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, there isn't a whole lot of Blaine. There isn't a whole lot of Blaine, but a lot of the storyline takes place. You've got barely breathing, teenage dream, don't speak. Then the scientist is all tied up in all of this musical stuff. And mm-hmm. I don't know. I just think it's kind of interesting. Yeah. And it takes a while for Blaine to get there. I mean, it's, it, it, it takes until the end of season six for Blaine to get there. Because all the way up until, and you know, I, I know that this is about this episode, but I feel like you can't talk about this episode without talking about the growth that Blaine experienced. Oh, yeah. And the fact that in season six, number one, Blaine learns how to say no. Like in, in, in episode three of season six, when Kurt and Rachel were asking Will, it's just like, hey, since we only have like six, we only have like five members in New Directions and, you know, maybe take it a little easy. Yes. and Will's like, yeah, I'll try, and Blaine's like, oh, no, 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 no. It's just like, uh-uh. After, not after you bitches took Jane from me. Um, it's like, oh, no, 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 I'm not taking these hands Hard no. It's like, hard no. Nope. This, you know, I've always thought that this kind of thing was like, okay, Blaine gets to be a real boy, a real character, and he does get this whole arc from here all the way to the end, where he's he finally seems to be... I know we didn't get a lot of it. I wish we had more, but he seems to be okay on his own and, you know, is able to be an independent person without Kurt. Um, so this is kind of just the beginning of that. Yeah. yeah. And then later on though, even at the end when he and Karofsky finally break up, when would really just Dave says, you know what? I knew that you and Kurt were going to get back together. Eventually it was only going to take some time um, for y'all to finally get your shit together. Um, like right oh, before Blaine runs out, yeah, right before Blaine runs out the door, Dave's just like, just Blaine, one more thing, just don't sing it, just say it. <laughs> well, yeah. honestly, that's why I brought that that note up, just because like this is all singing as expressing, and not that there's anything wrong with that. I mean, obviously, we are talking about a, a musical, but um, mm-hmm. there is something to be said, and just you know, you need to just say it, kind yeah. of thing. And, and I know I just, I'm completely contradicting myself now just saying this, but um, I also got to thinking, um, when you say that, it's like singing things instead of just expressing them. I remember um, I watched recently the featurettes that came with the musical episode of The Flash and Supergirl, and John Barrowman talks about how in musicals you sing when the feelings that you are feeling are so deep and so powerful that just saying them isn't enough. Mm-hmm. And we're doing, and of course we're in like the absolute, like in by the season four, we are still in hardcore musical mode and still the yeah. fantasy of the musical mode before we start stepping back into the reality that is season yeah. six. And it's, I was going to say season six kind of goes. A lot of the season six was the tearing down of the curtain. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, yeah. we're going to make our final bows. You get to see how we all did it. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's like the it's like when the camera pulled away at the end of the hills. Yeah. Um, okay, so going from callbacks, we get the nice walk in Battery Park. Um, <laughs> and, um, yeah, we... Uh, admittedly, Rachel and, and Finn have a bit more dialogue through this, but um, 
we kind of get Blaine's admission and, um, you know. Yeah, I was with someone and it's just like, no. And what's Kurt's immediate response? Oh, God, it was Sebastian, wasn't it? Yep. Yeah, exactly. And that's something I think um, I, I'm not trying to underplay Blaine's insecurities or where Blaine is, but Kurt has some insecurities, too. I mean, he, he there is still a tiny part of him because he'll even bring it up in season six that is yeah. feels that he's not good enough and that. You know, the first chance that he gets, Blaine's going to run off with uh, Sebastian. It's not Sebastian's that it's a real right, yeah. deep fear, but when Blaine says that, that is, that's why that's his first reaction. Yeah, I mean, when, but both times, when he in season six, when he says, I'm seeing someone, and when he says, I was with someone, in both cases, Kurt's like, oh, God, it was Sebastian. Oh, please don't let it be Sebastian. Yep, it's all about Sebastian. I'm just like, dude, he's busy being the Flash. Stop it. So. There's one thing I actually want to point out that I think is an interesting little tangent. Um, mm-hmm. I watched um, when Darren was going to be on American Horror Story, I decided to, like, I'll try and watch the show. I just wanted to see, you know, so I watched the first season. And something that, like, flew out to me, and then I did, as, and then I found out that this was actually written before the pilot of American Horror Story season one was written before this particular episode of Glee. And the main couple um, in, in that show were having marital issues right at the beginning. And I kid you not, if you go back, there's a fight early on in the series, I mean, in that pilot episode, where almost verbatim that couple has an argument that is exactly what Claim has in this particular s- scene. And, oh, wow. Yeah, it was wow. crazy. Like, you know, because um, the woman was upset because the guy cheated and he and the guy says, you know, I needed you and you were not here. And then the woman said, like, you know, don't you think I had temptations or whatever? You know, and it was really oh, like God. spooky. <laughs> like, I'm like, okay, oh I didn't God. watch season one. So I just know it's like Tammy Taylor and the other guy. Yes. So <laughs> I also I just no, kind of Connie Brenton is Tammy Taylor. Yeah. No, sorry, you can't convince me otherwise. I just want to bring in the context that for whatever reason. Brian Murphy has a tendency tendency to write this kind of conflict into his couples across the board. Like you see it in Finchel, you see it in Wemma, you see it slightly in the Britannia stuff. But you know there are you some. You saw common- it in H.S. Roanoke. Oh really? Yeah, I think the most recent yeah the most recent episode of the most recent iteration of American Horror Story, the couple that had been oh god, you know just go and watch it like about like episode six on because it's too complicated for me to explain but essentially you had the real couple who the Roanoke story was based on you had the actors that reenacted them and at some point one of the real people has an affair with the re- one of the reenactors it is very complicated <laughs> like like I said I'm like I don't even know how to effing explain this and yeah, I'm not a fan of horror, and AHS is not my thing. So. Oh yeah, this wasn't a, an endorsement <laughs> for that. Go way to recap. <laughs> but I, I think it was just a pulling back for a second and saying because I know a lot of people were really, really upset with Blaine that he cheated, and I said I kind of always feel like you know going outside of the story. I feel like it, it is something to keep a reminder in context that this is how Ryan Murphy writes his conflicts. So That's how he breaks characters up. It's just you know so. It, it isn't surprising in that respect um, that these themes continue to pop up. So, 
And here's the thing. We should be upset that Blaine cheated. Kurt's upset that Blaine cheated. Blaine's f- yeah. friends, I'm sure, are upset that he cheated. Blaine's upset that Blaine cheated. Blaine is upset, exactly. I'd be worried if somebody wasn't upset. It's like, oh, Blaine cheated? Yay! No one's thinking that. But I mean, like, I, I don't think that people should be, you know, Blaine is so horrible now. You can't, like, sympathize him or empathize with him at all. I, I just remember seeing a lot of, okay, Blaine's dead to me now type thing. Yeah. And I'm like, no, I, I, I don't. Stuff. Get into the fandom stuff. Yeah. So, but yeah. So the fight, the fight, yeah. Which again, I don't. There's just not a whole lot. I mean, he he admits yeah. that he does it, and then Kurt kind of breaks down and leaves, yeah. and, and that's and walks away, and that's when everyone starts singing and not talking to each other, but kind of singing out. My my note though, which you guys, do you think that there should have been or could have been more to the scene, or do you think it works the way it is, or? I think, it I works think there's probably a lot of it got left on the floor. And the, to be honest, I think a lot of it probably got um, ended up on the cutting floor. Um, I, I, I've never seen a script for this. Yeah, I was say this is one I'm script sure there had to have been more more written there because they they always wrote Blaine long winded things to say. There, I mean, Darren has said before <laughs> how much they have cut from all the things they've had him have to say. <laughs> he, I mean, you ask if you ask him about the. Um, the initial um, "you moved me" speech. He said, "There's there that there, there was like ten minutes long, and they cut a whole bunch of it out." And you know, same same with the wedding vows. Yeah. I mean, every, they just they kept cutting it. But yeah. I remember. I don't know if you guys remember. This was this was the weekend when they filmed it. It was the weekend that Darren was in Chicago. Oh God, that's right. He did Leaky Con, and they did and they did very Potter musical hours five and a half hours of a very potter senior year talk about people who couldn't cut shit (laughs) well yeah but the thing the thing should have got ryan murphy's editors in there it's like okay you can cut this you can cut this you don't need you know this scene with this this scene of voldemort stupid you can cut that (laughs) but the thing i remember i remember so much was darren after the fact saying Number one, I didn't know that was the scene we were going to shoot when I got to New York. Number two, I was so exhausted physically and mentally after the 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 saying. I mean, they basically, if you've ever seen a Harry Potter senior year, they said goodbye to that era of Star Kid. And wow. I mean, Darren was Darren broke character in tears, which Darren doesn't break character. Yeah. much <laughs> but he broke character in tears saying goodbye to all these people that he loved so much and saying goodbye to Starkid essentially so that was a hugely emotional event for him and then something at the end of Hogwarts it's like and like no this is not recapping Harry Potter senior year this is recapping the breakup but still it's like I remember it's now, it's, it played it played into how that scene yes. went down in Battery scene, Park when he's going after, it has been totally awesome he he was literally up all night because there's 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 all sorts of pictures and footage of the 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 dance party after. Yeah, he went to Leaky Prom too. He went to Leaky Prom and he left from Leaky Prom to go get on the airplane and then they filmed in Battery Park. That's I mean it, it was like he that went night. from this to this to this to this to that to that to that and he mm-hmm. had no downtime. He barely had time to get into costume to go and 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 do those scenes in New York. With Kurt. 
Yeah. He'll break up with Kurt. And I, I, I mean, I remember interviews with him where he like basically apologized to the fans saying, you know, I just, I didn't know what was coming. I, I wish I had had more of me left. Um, you know, he said, I had no idea that Glee would be filming that particular scene. It was a very big scene and I was very upset because I wanted to prep more for it. Oh, That's the direct quote from the article. And oh man, so, I gotta find this article. Do you have a link to it? Yeah, I'll, I'll shoot you the yeah, link. Yeah, link to it in the when you post the podcast. Well, I'm gonna be very interested in reading that article um, because I know that Darren feels like he couldn't have brought it in, brought in what he felt like he should have been able to in that scene. But I think of also the fact that he said goodbye to Harry Potter. And good, good, and goodbye to Kurt. His relationship with Kurt in the same in like within a twenty-four hour period. Yeah, and I like to think, and I like to think he brought some of that. I was gonna say, I think the sadness and the exhaustion were both in, present in that scene. Just the sheer, okay, this is over, and I'm exhausted, but I'm sad. But you know, I just, I, I do think there is that legitimate emotion that plays through that scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I. And I'm just, that was his take on it. That was a, so to air, oh. one of those speculative articles. That was back mm-hmm. when I was still into spoilers and still watched spoiler, watched for them and, and sought them out when that article yeah. was published. Was yeah. What halfway through season four, I said, screw it. I don't want to watch these anymore. <laughs> I can understand yeah. that. All right. So uh, kind of going from the, the fight, we get into don't speak. And, mm-hmm. um, curse Darren. No, not really. He, cause it was his idea to do this song. Yes. It was Darren's idea. <laughs> Darren's idea. But I, here's my thing. I was a, a preteen and then this came out, I was like 13 or 14 and it was the most depressing song i had ever heard. And I just, I could, it was on the radio all the time. And I just got so sad every time I heard it. So when they said they were doing it for, for Glee, I'm not knocking. It was a, it, it's just amazing, but I can't listen to it. Because I still find it so right out of college. That was me. I was like literally right out of college when um, when Tragic Kingdom came out, Um, and no doubt Tragic Kingdom came out that that was on. And for those of you who didn't know, that actually was written when talk about kind of a Fleetwood Mac moment. um, Gwen Stefani and um, damn it, what's his name? Totally not Blake Shelton. Yeah, Um, I don't. I don't remember his name, the, but he, didn't he? Wasn't he also in the band too? Yes, he was in the band, and they had dated in the band, and they were still in the band after they broke up. Um, so let's see. Excuse me, I have to do some quick googling. No, don't speak, no doubt, because you know that there is a Wikipedia entry on this. It was released I'm, in 1990. I'm reading through the Wikipedia right now, as a matter of fact. Yeah, um, she wrote the song with her brother Eric Stefani about her bandmate and ex-boyfriend Tony Canal. Shortly after he ended their seven-year relationship. Man. And you can feel it. There that song is one of the, like, to this day when I hear it, I'm just like, man. And I had never heard it until Glee did it. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Completely opposite side of the spectrum there. I had never heard it until Glee did it. Mm-hmm. And I had heard Darren talking about it and saying that he was the one that had come up with the idea of it. And I, you know, analyzing it for the four part harmony and all of those things that as a music major, I do, but thinking to myself, who would have written this song for anything, but this kind of moment, 
you know? Oh, yeah. That was, well, I mean, the, and when you know the background of it, that's why. I mean, it was yeah, written. That was the moment. After breakup. Yeah. yeah. And it, it, uh, it's interesting how much, I mean, when I look at the breakdown of who got to see what, it's so powerful. I mean, Blaine says, I really feel like I'm losing my best friend. I can't believe this could be the end. And yeah. Kurt says, like, it looks as though you're letting go. If it's real, I don't want to know. And, and you also think about the fact that Darren is very much, he's really into all of those mid to late 80s alternative rock bands. Like, I mean, for the longest time, I think he would actually have a themed birthday party that was a basically just early, like, late 90s stuff. Or like a couple of years stretch where he just had like a 90s same birthday party. So, and he would just get up with a band and sing like closing time. <laughs> Actually, there's, time. there's, there's fan video out there of that. I mean, oh, yeah, I know. I've seen I, it. Yeah. I yeah. There's fan videos. Out there. I want to take me home. Take me home. <laughs> yeah. But, but yeah, it, it's, it's a really good song. They sound really good on it. I mean, it's nice usage of the four voices here. I like the way that they shot the video because the way that they played with camera angles where, where, I mean, if you look from above, you know, Kurt and Blaine are literally seeing like at least a yard, at least three feet apart, but then they have them almost looking like they're facing each other, sitting, facing opposite sides on that fountain. On the wall. Yeah. Yeah. The wall of the fountain and the way that they play with angles on that. Is where they're singing. It's like they're, they're singing, but they're not. And it looks like they're singing to each other, but they are so not. Well, and it's interesting. They also have like they get all of the stuff where they're in bed and they return back to the loft. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of that interesting place that musicals go that are kind of fantasy more than a reality. Because I'm kind of like, well, what would have actually happened after no. all of this breakdown? I mean. Yeah, and this is where I really wish I had done a close rewatch before coming on tonight because in that, one of the things that you ask um, in, in notes that we had before the, the, the um, podcast is, did they really sleep in the same bed that night? So we know that the next morning when Finn is trying to sneak out, Kurt is, sleep- is in that weird-ass chair. And I'm trying to remember if Kurt said, First off, I'm trying to remember if Blaine is still in bed. If he he is. Blaine yeah, had not gone. To, Blaine oh, had not gone. He's like, I thought you were Blaine. Yeah. And yeah. I get the impression that maybe, I get the impression that Kurt spent most of the night in that chair. Yeah, I do too. They did go to bed at the same time. Mm-hmm. When you went in the, in the context of this song, you see them get into bed. Yeah. I just don't think Kurt stayed there. No, I don't think he did either. And I don't know if Blaine really slept that much. If he did, he probably cried himself to sleep. Mm-hmm. I mean, from that point on, it's, 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 it's all headcanon. It's just like, you know, did they cry? Did, did one actually finally go to sleep and the other not? But I think I think shortly after that turning over at the end of Don't Speak, I think Kurt, I think Kurt was just like, I can't do this and probably spent the rest of the night staring off into space in that chair. Well, and I also don't think that they talked. I think that there was this you know, this fight, maybe there might have been more fighting, we don't see it, but, you know, they break into the song, and then they all get back, and obviously Finchel is not in a great place either, and they all kind of, quote-unquote, go to bed, and that's it for the night. I mean, I don't think that anything's... And nobody talks to each other. Finn talks to Kurt, but that's it. 
Yeah, and and Finn was trying to sneak out before anybody was up. Dude, you scared yeah. me, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But and I, I was the only one up. See why Blaine kind of leaves it, you know, because my own headcanon is that the next morning, Kurt's sitting there, Blaine gets up, and even though Kurt says that he wanted to talk to him, um, it's just one of those Kurt things where he just kind of shuts down anyway. Mm-hmm. And Blaine might have said a word or two, but then just takes off and leaves. And, and doesn't yeah. really say anything. Mm-hmm. So that's my hit candidate anyway. Yeah. Mine too. Yeah. I would agree. That must be the longest flight from New York back to Ohio. Oh, gosh. And then Is his parents probably like going, Ohio? what the hell were you doing? It's like, we, it's like, where the hell? His parents probably wonder where the hell he had been. If they noticed he was gone. Yeah, I was say, if they noticed he was gone. My thing, here's the sad This is what I kind of find sad about. Okay, so Blaine gets back. And he really, okay, so he, he's lost Kurt or feels like he's lost Kurt at this point. The first thing that we see is that Finn just says, why did you do Dude, that to him? What did you do? Yeah. He just scolds what him. The, what did you do or why did you do that? Do that to him. Why did you hurt him? And and Blaine doesn't have a response, but he doesn't have anybody. I mean, everybody comes back. They're all excited to see Finn. They're all excited to, you know, even the newbies are kind of, you know, there, yeah. to, you know, whatever. And Blaine just kind of sits in the back. And he just is really quiet and doesn't have anybody even acknowledge the fact. The only person that knows that he's going through this is Finn, but Finn attacks him. And Blaine is utterly alone. Yeah. It's just so he's sad. Completely. I mean, he is, and he's alone for the next two episodes. Yeah. Yes. Yep. So the next time you see anybody even touch him is when they're they're doing the um, painting scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, or I mean, yeah, he is he's completely distanced himself. Um, he's not really in the rest of this episode. Yeah, my notes say it goes right to the scientist, so he's mm-hmm. not in this episode. And the episode's yeah. still got like fifteen minutes left. Yeah, um, granted, ten of that special. This but... is about the time they did they did the mine. Didn't they do mine right after this? Yeah, the Britney Santana, the Santana, Santana Bernie song. Mm-hmm. Um, the only yeah. part of the claim story that's left is the the stuff with Kurt getting the flowers and the note. And that looks like something yeah. the florist wrote. Yeah, I I have a hard time. No, it it. I don't know. Wasn't there a like a hand drawn picture of Blaine in the doghouse though? There that, was. It wasn't really hand drawn per se. I would say there was a. I know it's. Okay, so yeah, it's a weird hand drawn picture of Blaine in a doghouse. But I have a feeling that's a. I don't think Blaine drew that because I know I think Blaine knew it was more serious than that. It sounds like, I don't know. I'm going to be honest, yeah, it could look like Blaine in the picture, but it honestly looked more like something a florist would probably draw. It's like, uh-oh, somebody's in the doghouse. Yeah. Right. I just have a hard time. I know that's what my boyfriend does when he sends me flowers. It's usually because he did something wrong. Yeah, I just have a hard time seeing Blaine being kind of flippant as that that card seemed to be. Mm-hmm. Right, I would agree. I mean, that could easily just be like generic white guy in a bow tie in a doghouse. Yeah, sure. I'm trying to see if I can find a picture of it online right now. I can't. The thing that took me a long, long time to, to figure out, Finchel gets this really huge 10-minute sequence. Brittany and Santana get this nice little, like, goodbye and breakup and whatever. Mm-hmm. And Clayne, they get a metaphor of Kurt dumping the note into the trash, which is the... It took me forever to figure it out, but that's where they break up, is is that Kurt dumping it into the that's trash. That's a decision. Yeah. Yeah. 
And I, I guess just as me personally wanting more, I, yeah. I've always been a little annoyed by that. But at the same time, I think Clayne gets a bigger story. It, I mean, obviously, Finchel has a huge overarching thing going on. But, you know, Clayne is going to be the first to continue right away. Yeah. So. Well, yeah, I think Finchel, the whole thing was, I mean, Finchel un- until, you know, circumstances, Finchel was supposed to stretch up basically to the end of season six. Right. Whereas I think Clayne, the reason that it ended the way it did was they're like, we're not done with this yet. Right. And, you know, and of course, I don't know if Ryan really had plans. I don't know if he necessarily had plans that, you know, Britanna and Clayne would all be together as well. And quite frankly, we're never really going to know what other plans were other than how he had Finchel's original ending. I think they wrote. I think they wrote Finchel's original ending, in that he went when Rachel came back and talked to Shu and said, "Yeah, you know, I had this dream that I was going to come back." And I mean, I think that's the oh, Ryan has ending. said that is that's what the original ending was. That that's how it was going to be ended, and yeah. he ended up writing it into the quarterback. Yeah, but whereas where you know what happened with Clayne, I mean, did I don't think Ryan had planned from the very beginning. Oh, Clayne and Bertaner got oh, married right. in a double wedding at the last minute. I I yeah. do think Clayne was going to get. I think that there was a lot of evidence in the next coming up episodes that Clayne was going to get back together. At, at a, I mean, obviously it's going to take the whole season, but I do think that there was a, a definite arc towards them getting back together. Where Bertana, I thought they were done. I thought that this was going to be like. Bam, they broke up, and then this was... I mean, because we don't see much from them until the mid-season five, really. Yeah, so... Not even mid-season five. That wasn't until you got you got that little bit at the end of season four where Brittany, uh, where Santana goes to New York, and then you didn't get anything until the, until the 100th episode mm-hmm. when they just suddenly get back together um, before we have Glee New York. Um, but yeah, with, um, yeah, <laughs> I think with, um, with, with Kurt and Blaine, you know, I think there was a definite need that they were definitely gonna get back together. I will say also though, I think that if season five had not gotten cut short by two episodes, I think they were steering towards the second breakup towards the end of season five. And I think they steered away from that because I think there was, and I still maintain, I think there was a very good possibility that we weren't going to get that season six. Yes. And that they ended season five the way they did in case some higher up at Fox said, pay Ryan Murphy however much he wants. We're not giving him a sixth season. I also think yeah. in, in that same line of thinking, I think that season four, if it hadn't been for Corey going to rehab and that claim would have gotten back together at the end of season four. So who knows? I mean, it's kind of weird how this stuff will like, well, those two episodes that they opened season five with had already been written. They told yeah. us that. Yeah. And so they always was... planned to do a two episode Beatles tribute. Yeah. I think if Finn had been, if, if, if it hadn't been Corey leaving early, they might've been the final two season, the t- final two episodes of season four. Mm-hmm. Hmm. But instead we got wonderful and all or nothing. So not bad. No. <laughs> um, so the the last part uh, with Blaine is really the scientist, um, which is another. This one is always really powerful to me. It is. It's one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. Blaine says, "Tell me I your." So Finn says, "Come up to meet you. Uh, tell me your secrets and ask me your question." Oh, let's go back to the start. Running in circles, Running in circles. coming up tails. Hit. 
Okay, this line doesn't make no damn sense. Heads on the science apart. I don't know. I don't claim that. Okay, I need to look at the actual CFA. But they're talking about flipping a coin. Running in circles, coming up tails is talking about flipping the coin. Mm-hmm. Heads is on the science apart. Heads would be them being apart. Head. Okay. Oh, okay. And then it's such a shame for us to part. And then some And I like it, it's nobody said it was easy. Nobody said it was gonna be this hard. Take yeah. us back to the start. Now, what do you guys think about the fact that they do these flashbacks and we have the flashback to Kurt and Blaine running down the hallway, but they <laughs> They had to fake them for the other couples. I know. They, no, 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 wait. No, Finn and Rachel, their first it's, it's their first kiss in the auditorium. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wema, it's their kiss when she runs or he runs down the hallway to kiss her. But Britannia, they're kind of just snuggled together, and Kurt and Blaine are the running down the hallway. And I know that there was some backlash about the fact that Finchel and Wemma got their first kiss, but Santana, or Britannia and Clayton well, did not. To be fair, though, Finn and Ra- okay, so Finn and Rachel didn't have like a okay, okay. I'm remembering this. Um, in season three, during the Yes No episode, when they did a first time ever, I saw your face. They actually had to like mock up some the first time I've ever met. And so they did that with Santana and Brittany where they just kind of see each other in the locker room. And they also did something similar with Will and Emma where I think Will sees Emma putting out pamphlets or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so they had to mock When she was already married to Terry. Yeah, when she <laughs> was already married to Terry, yeah. So they had to kind of... and. And there's this whole kind of Finn seeing Rachel in the hallway. And I'm just like, I don't even know why they had to fake that stuff. But, but yeah, I don't even know why they did that with Finn and Rachel. But Kurt and Blaine, they didn't need to go back and shoot a fake one. Yeah, we've we seen them since the beginning. We saw them, oh, take me back to the start. Which, by the way, when he's talking about running in circles and coming up tails, oh, let's go back to the start. Let's go back to when he's singing Barely Breathing and he sees Kurt in the outfit that he wore when he first saw him on the steps of Dalton. Blaine still wants to go back. He's like, I want to go back. I want to undo the terrible thing that I did. And they're not going to be able to. This is like this. This is like this is a this is a doodad that can't be undid home skillet. So. As much as you may That's want to. Yeah. So, uh, yes, I'm quoting Juno badly, apparently. Um, but over the course of the next couple of seasons, we're going to see that you can't go back and start, but you can start over. Yes. Yeah. And and I think that's kind of the neat thing that uh, that Glee does with the relationship and is that, you know, okay, well, some things are over. Like, you don't get Clay in the way it once was, but it, as I said earlier... You know, it doesn't mean it's a bad thing. They're just going forward. And, you know, eventually it becomes this very, well, more so adult relationship than what it was originally. Right. And Kurt's saying, I was just, and you'll talk about Kurt, you know, when you do the Kurt side. But when he's talking about numbers and figures pulling the puzzles apart. I know. Oh, my God. The fact of the matter is puzzles, it's like puzzle pieces fit perfectly. People don't. Yeah. It's also echoing the teenage dream line. Um, yeah, finally found you my missing puzzle my piece. My missing puzzle piece. And then pulling them apart. 
you cannot count on people to complete you. No, you can't. And I, I think both Kurt and Blaine need that lesson. <laughs> mm-hmm. But that's a maturity thing too, I think, going back to what you were saying before about them being so immature. Yeah. That's it right there. Yeah. Yeah. Blaine's response to feeling abandoned was an immature response, but Kurt's reaction to how he thought this relationship was going to play out, I think was immature as well. Mm-hmm. We we kind of actually touched upon all the stuff that I, was in my other thing to mention thing. Yeah. Um, I guess my overall thing to ask you guys is that now that we are four and a half years later, and now that we've seen the entire arc of where it goes, how do you think this part of Blaine's and Clayne's story works within the whole story? I mean, does it work for you still? Or, or did it work for you? Or I, I guess, what are your thoughts now that we're so far removed from being in the moment? I think it, I think it works. In the end, I can't see the entire arc of Clayne without this, quite frankly. Yes, it's painful. But you know, I know something. I have been in relationships throughout my entire life that have had painful periods in them. It yeah. doesn't lessen the importance of those relationships. If anything, it kind of makes them stronger. Um, and it is also, and you know what? You know, a lot of people have a lot of regrets in their lives, but would they go back and change it? If that meant it would change everything else that came after? No. I, yeah. It's a butterfly I, effect. <laughs> I, I'm absolutely in agreement. Just because I remember at the time being so upset about the whole thing. You're just like, why are they doing this? And this seems contrived and everything. And now, I guess personally, I do kind of like, well, this is something that makes a lot more sense. And especially when I have people like you guys to talk to to help me understand things that I don't. And... I'm like, well, you know, we got some really, really good story after this that comes out of it that, you know, I, I know, like, I don't, I wouldn't want to go back to season three, Clayne, where they're just kind of sitting there next to each other, not really doing anything, not having a story. I, I would rather have God conflict and story and, and development. And I think we got a lot of that in seasons four through six. So, yeah. Seriously, if you're a Clayne fan, you can like stop at episode at the end of episode five of season three and fast forward to episode 17. Yeah. Seriously. You can, you know, take a stop at the Christmas episode just for the fun of it, but. Oh yeah. 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 You know, with a little detour for, you know, you know, black and white. Yeah. You know, which is actually my least favorite of all of the Clayne Christmas stuff that they ever did, but that's just me. I I know most of the fandom disagrees with me on that one. Oh, that's okay. My, my favorite is season four Christmas, but I'm usually in the minority on that one too. I like Lee actually. I, I, I did. Heck, I even like very Glee Christmas. I mean, Brittany, Brittany being Cindy Lou Who totally makes sense to me for some reason. <laughs> and also, where else are you going to get Katie Lang guest performing the Grinch song? Oh. If people forget that was Katie Lang that did that one. She did. Awesome. She was awesome. She did awesome. Katie Lang. I, just, awesome. I don't think I knew that. No, I just I don't think I knew that Katie Lang sang that. I don't. I, I'm just now <laughs> learning that. I learned something new today. Oh well, that's yeah. good. Yes, and you know what? Uh, Space Orphan learned that Matthew Morrison was in a boy band. Yes, I did not know that. You didn't know about Maddie Fresh? I did not. I just thought that was his nickname. <laughs> it, no, it started off as like it was. She was talking. I can't even remember why we started talking about. It. We went off on this tangent before you came on about making the band an O-Town. And I had mentioned that one of the five guys that was in O-Town ended up dropping out and starting his own boy band that Matthew Morrison was in. Yes. <laughs> and I know way too much about the history of boy bands in O-Town and all that. This is too much. 
That's okay. Um, okay, so let's talk about, and I, I, I'm stealing the spotlight from you, Space Warp. Sorry. Fine, don't um, worry about it. Let's talk about the, the fandomy thing. Yeah. Uh, and just because I, me, I think that's, we talked about the spoilers from the breakup spoilers from New York City. So there was a point before the airing that we knew that they were going to break up. We were pretty sure. Yeah. But the, um, the, the previews, the, what, the teacher, maybe, you know what they're called, but, um, the, the, um, the preview episodes, the the preview episodes that the the reviewers and the recappers get, like usually two or three days before it actually airs. See, and uh, is it like the advanced review copy? Is that what you're talking about? Because I know we have yeah. those for books. Yeah, it's like they actually they're called something. Yeah, I don't remember what though. Form. Somebody will somebody will message on the podcast and say that's what they're called. Um, and they'll go, "You idiots, duh." But there was like a couple of reviewers that would just basically flat out say, here's what happens. If you don't want to read, if you don't want spoilers, don't read it. And of course, there are people who can't help but read it. And there are people who can't help but post that shit on Tumblr and not fucking tag it. And so when that stuff started coming out, I went, okay, that's it. I'm shutting down my Tumblr account. And I proceeded to go into a two-day panic to the point where I was convinced that, okay, I think I actually- It's called a screener. Screener. Okay. Yes, they had screeners. And that was when I realized I think I actually have an honest to God Tumblr addiction because I think I was going through honest to God DTs. <laughs> <laughs> to the point where I actually ended up emailing somebody in fandom and it's like, please, just you don't have to absolutely spoil it for me. Just kind of tell me what's going on. I wonder if I still have the old emails from when that happened. But it was like, it was like I was freaking the F out. And then it happened. And I was so freaking upset about it. Oh, my God. I was like, I was apoplectic. And I drank in, let's see. I, I will just talk about my reactions to the original airing at the breakup. There was a lot of personal shit that I was going through. There was a lot of stuff that that hit me just on a visceral, personal level. Um, I drank an entire bottle of wine. I was very hungover the next morning. <laughs> I can imagine. And I had to literally unfollow several people on my Tumblr that night because it got to the point where I felt like there were personal attacks. Oh no. Like it was like things were like fandom got, there was a very much of a split in the fandom that night and things got ugly. And a lot of there were a lot of Kurbastian shippers that got created that night, by the way. I guess that was like the beginning of the Kurt Bastion like huge push. Yes. That was like the beginning of a lot of fix that start that basically had Kurt having revenge sex with Sebastian. The Blaine hate that went on was so painful to watch. The 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 abject Blaine hate was just awful. Yeah, it, it, it was. I do, the, okay, so my whole experience with it, um, backing up like about a month earlier, I remember that night that we were watching, there, there were some people that were in New York City watching um, the Don't Speak stuff and the, the, the fight. And mm -hmm. I remember the spoilers coming in and everybody was like, first, I mean, it was so like this car crash happening in slow motion because... Mm -hmm. There was all of this, you know, oh, they're 
all together. They're all having fun, you know. And then there were these spoilers coming in that about the dialogue, and somebody said something about plain cheating, and people were like, "No, that's not gonna happen." And there was all this fighting about it. But then the you know uh, it happens, and fandom got to be such a toxic place for me personally for a long time because you had Blaine people over here and Kurt people over there. And everybody was just angry, and everybody was angry at the show, and everybody was angry at each other. And it was just so hard for a long time. And it didn't help that the show went on hiatus for a month. And when we got back... That's the longest baseball hiatus. I hated baseball that month. Nobody could hate me hate baseball more than that month. We didn't even get... We got Role You Were Born to Play, which didn't really have anything. And then, you know, Glee's... It was just hard until Dynamic Duets finally came on and it kind of moved forward. But, oh, it was just a really, really hard fall that fall. And I, I had, and after that episode, I was like, that's it. No more. It's like from now on, spoil me. Spoil the crap out of me. Tell me how everything ends. Rosebud's a sled. The kid was dead the whole time. It's like, just tell me everything. <laughs> I should probably put a spoiler. Take a <laughs> Rosebud is a sled. Snape killed Dumbledore. <laughs> oh man! Um, I, I think an that's interesting. What we should, that's what we should call it. We should say it's like the one where Rosebud is a slut. The one where Rosebud. Like, I should do that. <laughs> um, but it was just like like after that was just like soiling green as people. <laughs> it's like they were on Earth the whole time. You bastards! You actually did it. You blew the thing up. I am Charlton Heston on my knees screaming at the Statue of Liberty, <laughs> which is actually a anagram for Ryan Murphy going, damn you, you blew the thing up. <laughs> you bastards. Um, so you know, the one where pink spoils everything for everyone for all eternity. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Don Draper ends up. Don Draper ends up at a commune and comes up with a Coca Cola ad. <laughs> Barney and Robin break up, and Ted and my mom dies, and Ted goes running off to find Robin. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> Do you have anything else you'd like to get out? <laughs> oh. Anyone else's life you'd like to ruin? <laughs> I'm trying to think of something. Oh gosh, I can't think. Um, oh crap. Uh, I don't know. Shit. Um, what's it? Has anyone been spoiled by Once Upon a Time yet? Don't ask me to spoil Walking Dead. I don't watch it. Um, <laughs> I don't even know what people watch, so I, I couldn't oh. tell you. Oh, Jax drives his motorcycle into a move into a eighteen wheeler of Band of Sons of Anarchy. That's how it ends. Oh God, somebody pissed off because damn it i was waiting to watch the ends of sunday anarchy and now you've ruined it Aww. you're in it for me i've not seen it <laughs> it's split on motorcycles basically just follow the script <laughs> i am um, actually think it'd be uh, we should probably end with um i know we mentioned it earlier but ending with darren's note he he did write a very lengthy eleven paragraph letter to the fans before this, and it, it, it he released it before it came before the the episode aired. 
I'm going to read a little bit from it. Here's the deal. I work hard. I try to make the right decisions and do the best I can with everything I do and all that good stuff. But really, that can go so far. There are so many contributing factors to what has happened to me that go far beyond my control. And that is where you come in. You, the fans, have been a huge part of the reason I've been able to do half the things that I've been able to do. We live in an unprecedented age of social connectivity, and I'm happy to say that none of you have failed to take full advantage of that. Don't think I'm not aware of how active the fandom is or how much impact it has. Remember, not only am I a fan myself, but I do have the, an internet connection. I see the gifs, I see the fanfics, I see the memes, and it's all amazing stuff. Gifs. Gifs. Though I haven't met a majority of you, it's a real thrill to know that many of your lives have come together on behalf of mine. That's an incredibly moving concept, and the fact that those connections have yielded so much positivity is something even more amazing. Let's take my own stories out of the picture for a second. You, as a group, have all accomplished some pretty amazing things yourselves. You've done done everything from raising money to great causes to organizing awesome flash mobs over the internet to show your support. You've shown up at the crack of dawn and stayed until you're the last one standing. You've come together to create something far greater than any of us, a real sense of community and a genuine place of support, not just for me, but for each other. And I can safely say that I wouldn't be where I am now if it weren't for you. Oftentimes, I meet people who challenge me, challenge me. You have no idea what you've done for me. Well, the truth is, it's the other way around. I do have an idea, and it's a pretty good one at that. Because for, because for whatever you may think I may be giving you, you are actually giving back to me tenfold. And I'm constantly wondering when and if it will fade, who will stick around, who will get bored. I often think that there will be a day that there won't be anyone on the other side of the stage door. But despite myself, as time goes on, you will all you all have never ceased to amaze me with your enthusiasm, creativity, and seemingly endless joy that continues to inspire and encourage me. Tonight is the premiere of the dreaded breakup episode. For many Glee fans, I imagine that there will be more reason more than reason to be sad. But cheer up, think of it this way. Much of your support has allowed me to be on this show long enough to reach a breakup in the first place. It has created a relationship that people cared enough that about whereby it was even worth writing an episode about its potential end. I never thought I would get to be around long enough for something like that, and I really have you, the fans, to thank for it. It's something to be proud of. What's more, I even asked to play my own arrangement of Teenage Dream for this episode, an acoustic version, which so many of you have supported since I sang it as my first song on the first episode. I started playing this version at shows as a sort of thank you to the fans for making it such a big song for both myself and the show. It was that song that started everything. So before tonight, before the episode airs tonight, I thought it was only appropriate to write a fully-fledged note to all of you that ex- could express my deep appreciation for the past two years since that crazy phone call. I hope that this is just the beginning, and that I get to thank you many more times and many more adventures as the years will roll by. But for now, know that I am very grateful for everything you've given me, and I am proud of what we have accomplished together. From Teenage Dream to Teenage Dream, thank you for allowing me to live mine. Your biggest fan, Darren. I had to give him the hug after that. I was like, we'll still love you. We might be mad at your character for a while, but we love you. Yeah. I I think he he was very well aware of how this was going to play. But also what we were talking about before, I mean, like when did he write this? Was this before the Harry Potter stuff? Before the Star Kid stuff wrapping up? I mean, I think he, I, I think he definitely wrote this like right after. Yeah. I mean, he wrote, he definitely wrote it right after shooting the episode. And perhaps he even wrote it knowing, seeing some of the reaction to the screeners. That's what I was wondering. If, if 
Because I know there were times where they would sit the whole cast down and they would watch an episode. There was that whole piece um, around the episode the first time where they got to all see it together. And then there was all this, the the cast reaction came out from behind the scenes. Mm -hmm. I wonder if they did that with the breakup one as well. They did because Vanessa Lenges, who plays Sugar, I don't remember if she tweeted about it or not, but she said she... Uh, broke mm-hmm. down crying during it, and Darren was consoling her, saying that it was okay. Oh, it was gonna yeah. be okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I almost wonder if he wrote it after that screener. Oh yeah. If he. Oh wow. If if he wrote it after he watched it, and realized, oh my gosh, this is what's gonna come down. You know what I mean? It's like, oh god, if if like if the, if my co-stars are acting like this. Yeah. Well, and then the the way he said, you know, tonight is the dreaded episode. He's he he had obviously seen. He knew it was dreaded. He knew that it that it, it was gonna come down. Yeah, I think this was also, and I hate to put words in people's mouths, but I think that this is where Darren kind of saw Blaine going in a different direction, I guess, or saw you know just that the show was going in a different way that maybe he might have thought it was gonna go. So no matter what happens, like, you know, like we're entering new territory, but let's be grateful for the things that we've gotten out of it. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I'm not sure he thought he was still going to have a job a year later, depending on how things went down with all of that. That's true. Oh, God. Yeah. This is when some of the haters were all just starting, starting to start the rumors that people were trying to get him fired and... Yada yada. I wonder. I wonder if it. I mean, in the back of his mind, it it, it seems like it was closer to the forefront of his mind as mm-hmm. he was saying goodbye, saying, you know, it, it. Even if Glee is over, it doesn't have to be completely over. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. So I want to thank you guys uh, tonight for um, coming out and talking about this rather heavy episode. For all of your listeners out there, if you've not listened to The Cart Side, I do suggest you go do that. It's being released at the same time as this one. Um, If you have, um, next week we're going to get into even more fun and uplifting things with uh, Role That You Were Born to Play and Glee. So I hope you guys have a great night and I'll see you next week. Missing puzzle piece. I'm complete. I was just guessing at numbers and figures, pulling the puzzles apart. Will you love me even with my dark side? Somebody let me come through. I'll always be there. To help us survive